jump on into it. Awesome. <laughs> Hello, animal lovers. Welcome to my podcast, where I geek out about animals. I'm Nicole, and you are listening to Animal Facts. This podcast may not be suitable for all listening ears, specifically young ones. And I just want to remind everyone that I am not a professional, just an animal enthusiast, because I just love learning about them. I think they're so cool, and they can do so many cool things. Some things I say may just be my opinion, and sometimes I am misinformed. Or sometimes I am just straight up wrong. So forgive me, I am only human after all. But please email me at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com so I can correct myself and I also have the chance to learn from you. Thanks for joining me. Enjoy! Welcome, animal fact lovers, to the Animal Facts Podcast. Welcome, welcome. I'm Nicole, and uh, my guest is the one and only husband of mine, (laughs) Josh Morris. (laughs) That would be me. That would be him. In full disclosure, I procrastinated this episode for a very long time. I had ideas of what I wanted to do for months. I just never did it. And I procrastinated it literally until the day before. So I just finished doing all of this Normally, <laughs> she records episodes weeks in advance. Yes. Yes, I do. We are recording this the day before it releases. The night before. It's honestly like 10.30. And this releases at 6 a.m. tomorrow <laughs> for you guys. Perfect. In my defense, it's been a really rough couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't hear, I've got major allergies going on. Um, so this is just going to be kind of a rough episode, so I'm sorry. We'll make it through. We will. Um, if there's lots of random background noises and things that I don't catch in my quick editing, if I even edit it at this point, (laughs) um, I apologize now as well. Also, if I'm coughing or sniffling, I promise it's just allergies, but it doesn't matter because you can't catch what I've got anyways, (laughs) regardless if it was a contagious thing. So, with that in mind, the personal question for today is, if there's one thing about yourself you could change, what would it be? Oh. <laughs> um, I feel like mine would probably be my vision. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But it would also be so weird. I'm so used to you with glasses. I know. I mean, they're a part of me. I've never known a time without them. I know. I mean, I see you plenty without them, so but I think to I be would able to just see yeah. without anything right. would be so nice. would be really unsure. Yeah. That's cool. I keep That's getting ads on the podcast I listen to about uh, uh, laser eye surgery, LASIK. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Made me curious to look up again. Last time I saw anything about it, it was like, wouldn't have been that good for me anyway, so mm. so I never even considered it. Fair. But maybe the technology's gotten better. That was years ago. <coughs> maybe. Mine would be allergies. I would get rid of these darn allergies. Yeah. I'm allergic to everything in nature, and I love nature. <laughs> I'm always it's a great there. combo. Because I like my plants and my garden and doing outdoor things. I love being inside too, but I like being outside. But outside doesn't like me. I'm allergic to like all the grass and pollen. <laughs> and Oregon is, I guess I just found out, is like the one of the worst states with allergies because we have three pollen seasons and they're all at different times and at different, <laughs> like different things. So we just get bombarded and like, no wonder, because my allergies give me as you can tell, smoker's voice. Um, and it also gives me, like, sinus infections and colds and flu symptoms. It's great. It's real great. But I'm not contagious. I'm just miserable. <laughs> Anyways, allergies. I would get rid of my allergies. I want to know what it's like to just be outside. It's great. Without suffering. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Never had it. Constantly. Allergies. Cool. Well, you ready to I'll trade your vision <laughs> for your allergies. <laughs> My vision for your allergies. Cool. No, that's not a fair trade. I'm mm. fine. You can keep your allergies. Mm-hmm. You want to be sick without being sick? Nah. Because your body's overreacting? Nah. 
versus just wearing glasses. <laughs> yeah. At least yours is an easy fix versus just medication that sometimes doesn't even work. Yeah. <laughs> cool. You ready to figure out what animal I picked out for you? Yes. All right. Well, today, when this episode releases, Friday, May 20th, is Endangered Species Awareness Day, um, for the most part. So, drumroll. I don't have trivia for you. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Because we're just going to talk about a buttload of endangered species. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> but I made it fun. We have a whole slideshow. Uh, and we're gonna play a game okay so they're gonna be different games that you have to like guess the fact to the animal or like which animal belongs to like what thing or true or false but they're all the animals i picked are either endangered or critically endangered um and there's just like a little snippet of info about them like Kind of like when we did the World Animal Day, like just mm-hmm. like one fact yeah. about these animals, roughly. Right. Um, some are a bit more detailed, some aren't. But Endangered Species Day, so we're going to talk about a bunch of endangered cool. species today. All right. Ooh, ooh, ooh. It's going to be fun. And then I will also make sure I post or like link the link to the PowerPoint that I basically yep. made. <laughs> so everyone can look at it and do it too if they we... want should absolutely make sure we post on twitter this slideshow too <laughs> that's your job you're in yeah. charge of twitter <laughs> i can barely keep up with instagram with it yet. <laughs> all right so endangered species day here we go first of all what is an endangered species <laughs> um and you can actually read along with me because some of the things i don't have until like the next slide anyways so you, and you can just also Maybe I'll make you read some of them. (laughs) Excellent. Um, But a kind of plant or animal at risk of going extinct, which also means no longer alive, as far as we know, is what extinct means. Um, And then what causes an animal or plant, in this case, to be considered endangered? Usually it's a loss of habitat. So when, or I guess that's the causes of it, but what causes them? Yeah, I'm saying that right. What causes an animal mm-hmm. to be considered endangered right. is when their numbers get so low that they uh, have trouble, like, naturally creating more of themselves. Um, or they are just in such a small population and they're harder and harder to find, or they're far and few between. So, those are endangered animals. Basically, when they're at risk, as it says, of going extinct. So what causes them to become endangered is the two main ones is a loss of habitat, um, which can be caused naturally, but more commonly it's caused by humans. So like the dinosaurs, that humans was a natural worst. extinction because of yep. asteroid or meteor, whatever it was, um, whatever killed off dinosaurs, natural. But a lot of the animals that go extinct now is usually because humans destroy their habitats. Humans or overhunt or whatever. So, <laughs> um, and then the other one is loss of genetic variation. So when they kind of get so few of them that they kind of start to like genetically bottleneck, right. bottle, you know, where right. they don't have as much variation in their genetics to be able to fight off diseases or to be able to adapt well um, and survive things because they don't have those. Skills. It's like when you do purebred dogs with purebred dogs for generations those dogs aren't actually healthy they have a lot of health issues that's why mutts are really healthy because they have a wide so genetic variation versus you're just streets breeding easier. hip dysplasia with hip dysplasia and blindness and causing more things to just not be mm-hmm. able to adapt and get better so um so loss of genetic variation and habitat loss are the main things that create endangered animals so, what can we do? I'm going to talk about that first while I have all your attention. Um, we can pay attention to laws that are getting passed in our areas. We can pass laws to protect animals and plants. We can try to be more eco-friendly with our products and consume less things and, like, kind of do, like, the whole go green thing. But, like, one big thing would be instead of just buying brand new cars, buy used cars. 
Yeah. Limit your Adam ruins everything. The single largest thing the average consumer can do to help with pollution is to buy used cars and not new cars. So, um, limit your, like, your footprint and then raise awareness of these animals that are going endangered or that are endangered and, um, ban harmful chemicals. That's, like, really big for bugs and insects, but also birds, and it can, like, leak into, like, oceans, um... Limiting your footprint can also be like, you don't have to climb Mount Everest (laughs) because it has its own things that cause the animals in that area to suffer. Another podcast I listened to, it's a newer one called uh, 30 Morbid Minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, They have an episode about Mount Everest. Nice. It's pretty good. So, yeah. Um, And then the other thing is to do what you can to protect their natural habitats and yeah, learn about them and then just figure out what you can do. You can donate to, like, different conservation efforts that work towards protecting these animals and their habitats. You can do, like, an adoption of them. Um, yeah, so those are ways we can help endangered animals. So, animal fact time. The first one we're going to start Ooh. with are okay. elephants. So, which elephant is which? So your first one is the blank elephant population has fallen almost 65% um, since the turn of the 19th century. Today it is protected under the law and killing one carries the death penalty. Um, And then the other is the blank elephant is uh, dominated by... Oh, it's diet. Sorry, I'm like, what am I thinking? And they play a crucial role in dispersing many tree species, um, particularly the seeds of large trees, which tend to have high carbon content, and therefore they are referred to as mega gardeners. So, your two options are the Sri Lankan elephant and the African forest elephant. I think the one that's fallen in population is the African forest elephant and the Sri Lankan elephant is the gardener. Let's find out. Next slide. (gasps) You were wrong. (laughs) Uh. So the Sri Lankan elephant is the one that's population is just going down and you have a major death penalty if you kill one. And then the African elephant is the mega gardener. I tried to make sure I like took out some of the wording of certain things. Um, So I'll also make sure my resources have like the full fact and then, like, some of them have even more facts that I just, like, cut out because it wasn't really necessary. It just seemed a little long. Um, and then I have another link to the list of over 200 different animals I picked from. And it was really hard to pick. <laughs> yeah. But then the ones I did pick, some of them were really hard to find info on. So some of them are literally, like, a sentence. I'm like, that's, like, all I could really find <laughs> from, like, legit websites. Right. That weren't just pure science that I was like, I don't understand what I'm reading. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, anyways, next one. What is a damselfly? Can you guess what they're related to? I think I've heard of the damselfly, but I don't remember. It just makes me think of a damsel in distress. Are they an insect? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Just want to be sure. Of sorts. Yeah. Are they like a butterfly? No. Okay. I don't know. They are related to dragonflies. Uh, so, I have a specific one we're going to talk about, and then I have, like, general fact about them. So, the general fact about damselflies is that males most of most species are territorial, guarding areas of habitat where females lay eggs during copulation. How do you say that? Yeah. yeah. Um, and often while the female lays another eggs. Another word for sex. Yeah. <laughs> the male grasps the female behind the head um, with his, like, terminal terminal mm-hmm. um abdominal appendages to guard the female against rival males thus make like the males and females are frequently seen flying tandem <laughs> because oh, yeah. the male basically holds on to her yeah. to keep it from any other males mating with her <laughs> do so is that what i've seen when you see those two bugs flying around like that or is, um... do dragonflies do a similar thing because i thought it was dragonflies, just dragonflies do, do i think a similar thing um but then some dragonflies also, like, will connect. The way they connect, too, for, like, sex is super weird. 
funky. I've just seen and like, I think other like bugs on top of each other. Yeah. So then the ones flying while they're mating. Yeah, and so holding both of them. Whether they're actually mating in that moment or he's That's just true. guarding her, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't do anything on dragonflies, but they are related. Yeah. Um, but it's just funny. They're very territorial of their <laughs> who they mated with. So the specific um, damselfly is the flying earwig Hawaiian damselfly. Um, the males have an elongated abdominal appendage, um, that resembles the, like, the same found on earwigs, which is how it actually got its name. Um, so, you know, like, earwigs Mm -hmm. have, like, their weird pincer-looking things. Right. That's basically what they kind of have. Um, but this specific damselfly also was only last seen in 2005, so we haven't seen them in, like, almost, what, 20 years? Yeah. Getting close. So crazy. Like 18, 17 years? Yeah. 16? Over 15 years. <laughs> um, so little is actually known about them because of lack of observation of the flying earwig Hawaiian damselfly. There's a bunch of Hawaiian damselflies. Um, but yeah, so there you go. All right. Match the animal with the fact. So your first, I guess your three animals, they're all birds. You've got the golden-cheeked warble the mangrove finch, and the Madagascar fish eagle. So, your... Warbler. Warbler. Um, Your first fact. Breeding begins with the male starting to build a nest up in the canopy, beside which he um, will sing loudly, and then the female will then come and, like, help him complete the nest before laying an average of three eggs. So do you want to guess which one goes to which, or do you want to read all three? I want to read them all first. Okay. Your second one is, the bird is known, this bird is known to frequently steal or pirate um, prey from other birds. Sometimes they even steal prey from humans. And then your third one is, this bird is the only bird species whose population nests entirely in the state of Texas. They were first known to science in the 1860s. Um, or I guess in 1860, and then from the specimens collected in its winter range in Guatemala, um, but then the nesting grounds were not actually discovered until central tech in central Texas for like another four years. So they nest in Texas, but they fly huh. to like Guatemala in like the winter and stuff. So they still migrate, but they only nest in Texas. Interesting. Nowhere else. Interesting. That one okay. also, one fact that I like left out of there, they actually make a guest appearance in a sitcom of Will and Grace in an episode of Will and hmm. Grace as well. Cool. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, so the... I'm going to go with the warblers, the one that nests in Texas. Okay. The Madagascar fish eagle is the one that steals prey. <laughs> uh-huh. And the finch is the one that sings and builds the canopy. Ready? Yep. Let's find out. You're right Nailed on all of it. them. <laughs> Nailed it. My, I was, I was thinking the eagle couldn't be the first one, and then seeing that it was first discovered in Guatemala, I was like, so it wouldn't be called Madagascar, something. True. So that was where I how I narrowed down the fish <laughs> eagle, and then the other two, I was like, finches are known for singing, I think. So nice. that's how I differentiated nice. the two. The Madagascar fish eagle, um, when it steals things from humans, like, humans will have, like, their fishing nets, and then, like, the tide will kind of go out, and before they can get their nets back and get their catch, the fish, the eagles will go in and take the fish out of their nets and then fly away. (laughs) That's fantastic. So they steal, they steal from people and other birds. All right, true or false? The spiny chuckwalla will jump into the water and use their powerful tail to propel themselves um, away from a threat. They are a type of reptile, lizardish thing. I'm not going to tell you what specific, but they're like a type of uh-huh. reptile-y uh-huh. thingy, just so you have like an idea of what it is. Um, they are able to remain underwater for extended periods of time by regulating their respiratory rate. Um, but if they do end up getting caught um, by a predator, they will, like, get really violent, like, have a violent struggle. Um, they will defecate, they will hiss, they'll bite, whatever they can free themselves, like, do to free themselves. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So they will go, like, just crazy 
if needs be. Just that's pooping funny. and hissing everywhere. That's fantastic. <coughs> so true or false? Oh, true or false. I missed that. Um, this bridge. Mm-hmm. I think it's true. True. It's false. Ah. That is actually the Chinese crocodile lizard that does that. Ah. The spiny chuckwalla um, is a species that is diurnal, often returning to the same burrow and rock crevice each night because it has like its little home. Um, and they are in the same family as iguanas. Cool. Mm-hmm. So the Chinese crocodile lizard can regulate its respiratory rate and hold its breath for a long time. And it has a powerful tail to swim. And uh, if caught, they will go crazy. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. What animal is known to be a maternal mouth brooder? Um, the males make complex courtship sh- structures in substrate, um, basically like the sand at the bottom of the water. Okay. Um, and these nests are built on sandy bottoms in shallow waters. Females lay batches of their eggs, and then they'll pick them up, and then... <laughs> They nice. suck on the male's genital tassel. Just give them a blowjob to uh, fertilize the eggs so. in their mouth. That's fantastic. <laughs> so these are um, all fish. That's great. So I have it like what words? Um, mammals, birds, insects, reptiles, fish. Okay. So I'm like covering all of them, sure. but I'm keeping them in their same category. I feel like otherwise, yeah, these kinds of things would be kind of right. easier to figure out. <laughs> so you're a. Um, Chambo, I think is how you say it. Yeah. B, Victoria Tilipia, or C, Dusky Tail Darter. No idea. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with A, Chambo. Chambo. Nope, it was B, Victoria Tilipia. But A, Chambo. They are a major food source um, in Africa. Like, you know, they like are in lakes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But overfishing has been a real problem. So, like, a lot of them aren't reaching their full adulthood. Um, so they're not laying as many eggs, and then the eggs that they do lay are in, like, these shallow areas, but then they're, like, being disturbed or, like, moved or kind of killed unintentionally because they're in the shallow areas, so, like, they're right. not getting And I'm sure some other hatch. animals are Oh, them. yeah. So overfishing of them are being a problem, but they're working on that because they are, like, kind of like tuna for us. Like, it's a major thing, but overfishing can be a problem. Um, and then a fun fact with Chambo when I was doing the research for this is Urban Dictionary. <laughs> There's a verb that Chambo is the act of going Rambo and Chuck Norris on someone or something. So basically going nuts and demolishing something. That's so funny. So I'm going to go Chambo on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, and then see the dusky tail darter is actually, um, with most darters, the dusky tail darter spends most of its time on the stream bottom and will dart to cover it if it's disturbed. Um, the species of darter was actually not recognized in Kentucky until 1995 when two scientists collected it. Cool. So, um, Eisenhower and Burr were the scientists. So, it kept under the radar for a while because it's a little skittish. Yeah. But then they finally discovered it, so. Cool. Now we know about it, but now that we know about it, we're like, oh no, it's endangered. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to a witch animal. So which rhino? Um, you have either the black rhino or the Javan rhino. So the blank eats trees, brushes, and shrubs compared to their cousins, which are grazers. Um, when they bite off a woody plant part, they often leave a clean angled edge which kind of looks like a pruning shear type thing, um, which is achieved by their sharp, the shape of their hooked lip. Um, This neatly bitten woody material can be clearly seen in their traces of their dung, their poops. Um, And then the other one is they are the most threatened of the five rhino species, with only around 60 individuals that live in a national park. So the only ones alive are in a national park. Um, and they have um, a single horn that can be about 10 inches long. Up to? Yeah, up 10 to 10 inches. inches. Cool. I think the... <laughs> I think the black rhino is the endangered, more endangered one. There's only 60, and the Javan rhino is the one that you 
Look at their dung. <laughs> nope. Dang it. I'm so bad at this. <laughs> if you remember when we did the Year of Animals, the job and Rhino had a baby in the uh, over the last year in the national park. Oh. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think it was things. the job and Rhino. One of the job and Rhinos we talked about. We also, I think, talked about some Martin ones. I don't remember, though. It was a while ago. But yeah, so black rhinos have funky poop with their woods. <laughs> Woody poop. Woody poop. And then the Javan rhinos are <laughs> the most threatened. <laughs> all right, match it. So your three animals you're matching are all types of butterflies. Cool. Um, so the Florida leafwing butterfly, the Dakota skipper, and the island marble butterfly. And your three facts. It's a small butterfly with a one-inch wingspan. They have a thick body and a fast and a faster and more powerful flight than most butterflies. They are species native to tall grass and mixed um, grass prairies. Your second fact, they are brown camouflage on the underside, but then they have bright red or orange wings when they're opened up, um, and they can be spotted in all months. The butterfly's coloring varies from season to season, but it's brightest during the summer. And your third fact is after nearly 100 years of this butterfly thought to be extinct, it reappeared, which continues to intrigue researchers and enthusiasts throughout the country um, because they thought it was extinct, um, went extinct in like 1908, but then it was discovered um, during like this survey at America Camp um, in 1998. So literally 100 years later, they were like, it's still alive. Huh? 90 years. 90. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. After nearly 100 years. Okay. I think the first one's the Dakota Skipper. Okay. The second one's the Florida Leafwing Butterfly, which is the orange and brown one. Right. And then, yeah, the Skipper's the fast, small one. Okay. And the Island Marble is the one that was thought to be extinct. Ready? Nailed it. Nailed it. You're good at these ones. You're bad at the which one. (laughs) Well, these ones, because their names are kind of have hints in them. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, Dakota is a species (laughs) native to tall grass and mixed green prairies. And I looked at it and was like, it's definitely not Florida, and it's not an island. Yeah. Most likely. I mean, I'm sure islands can have those types of areas, but. Mm -hmm. And then, so I went with the Dakota one, and then. Leafwing made me think of the brown underside. <laughs> I had to take off the dead leafy camouflage right. on there, and I was like, oh, uh-huh. brown, brown camouflage. camouflage. She'll probably get it, but that's okay. Leafwing, and then, <laughs> and then the other one was the last one. Mm-hmm. Was the I was going to put pictures with all of these, but then that would have taken me like another hour to just <laughs> have to type in and find a picture and add it into everything. So uh-huh. I was like, mm-hmm. People can look at pictures if they want. I'm curious about anything. Yeah. Also, the link of um, all of the facts have like their resource link, and a lot of them do have pictures of the animals in like the IUCN list that I used or other facts. Cool. So, if you look up the resources, you can see pictures. All right. True or false? <clears throat> Oops. Never mind. I forgot to uh, oh, was fix that, that one. Oh, that to be a two-parter? Yeah. Uh, true. <laughs> that one was supposed, that part was supposed to not be on there. <laughs> I forgot to delete it's that true. bit. <laughs> so true. Well, <laughs> whoops. Great parrot is among the smartest birds in the world. True. And it's the greatest mimic of human speech among the 350 or so known parrot species. Research has shown that the birds possess cognitive skills equal to that of a five-year-old child. That bird is smarter than our son. <laughs> yep. They will also help members of their species, even complete strangers. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> All right. This or that. Would you rather have an encounter with a snake with a hearing range of 200 hertz or... A relatively small, non-venomous snake with fewer than 20 individuals remaining, making it the world's most rarest snake. So, a snake that's still endangered, but less scary if you accidentally kill it. Right. (laughs) Encountering it. But it's got really good hearing, so it could probably hear you from a bit away. Yeah. Or one that's not venomous, kind of small, but it's very 
very endangered. <laughs> I think the first one. <clears throat> you would rather have an encounter with Peter's bright snake. Um, <laughs> Especially now that I know the name. <laughs> Heck yeah. And the other Peter's one. Peter's bright snake. The, like, most... What an awesome scientist. <laughs> I hope his name was Peter. And he just like, <laughs> Peter's bright snake. Nailed it. It's smart. Ship it. It's, I'm pretty sure, brown, too. <laughs> um, and the other one is the St. Lucia Racer Snake. So, those are the two snakes. Did you know... This is just a fun fact now, because sometimes we need breaks mm-hmm. from games. <laughs> um, the fan muscle has a shell that is triangular, tapering to a point, and it's thin and brittle, making it very fragile. Fan muscles live with their pointed and embedded with their with their pointed end embedded in sediment attached to small stones or shells by abundant fine bisole threads which are strong silky fibers that are made from proteins so it's like the little bits that they use to stick to things like the rocks and stuff what do they eat i don't remember i didn't do that much research on them just curious if they're just like stuck in the ground like that how do they My phone is in the room charging. It was That's at 3%. But maybe that'll be a random fact one day. <laughs> but yeah, fan muscle. You should definitely look at pictures of them, though. They're really cool looking. All right. Closing out on that. She's our Malamute mix. She's old. And she huffs really loud. <laughs> She's literally a huffing and a puffing wolf. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Which animal was once thought to be extinct? A. The Yanktis <laughs> finless porpoise. The Yankzi. Yankzi. I don't know. It's a different language. Yankzi. Yankzi. B. The sort of Sola. Or C. The black-footed ferret. Sola. A. A, the, the finless porpoise. So, the finless porpoise um, is from the Yangtze River, River. Um, which was home to two different species of dolphin. The finless porpoise, that I'm just going to skip how to say the word I don't know, um, and the Baiji. Baiji? Baiji, I think. Um, dolphin. Would be my guess. Um, however, in 2006, the Baiji dolphin was declared functionally extinct. Um, this is the first time in history that an entire species of dolphin had been wiped off the planet because of human activity. So go us in 2006, we suck. Um, its close cool. cousin, the Yingxi finless porpoise, um, is known for its mischievous smile and has a level of intelligence comparable to that of a gorilla. Oh, wow. So, That's cool. has yet to be thought extinct, lame. but its cousin is. wrong. I mean, is. not lame. I'm glad it's not extinct, but... <laughs> All right, B, the Sola, often called the Asian unicorn. Little is known about the enigmatic (laughs) Um, Sola in the two decades since its discovery. Non-existent captivity, and this rarely seen mammal is already critically endangered. Scientists have categorically documented Sola in the wild on only four occasions to date since the discovery in May of 1992. Dang. They are a cousin of cattle, but they resemble more of an antelope. Okay. So they look antelope-ish, but they're actually more related to, related cattle. to cattle. But still, like, only four times to date since 1992. Dang. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? 30 years. <clears throat> so, not them. As far as they know. Seven and a half years, <clears throat> if they were spread out evenly. Yeah. And C, the black-footed ferret is one of the Mer- North America's most endangered mammals, once thought to be extinct after the species was rediscovered in Wyoming in 1981, um, concerted concerted efforts helped to restore them to over 300 animals in the wild. Although habitat loss and disease remain to be their key threats, biologists estimate that there should be 3,000 adult ferrets in the wild to successfully recover this endangered species. So that's what they're working towards. Cool. There you go. The ferret. Tenth of the way there. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, guess that beetle. We're gonna read the things and you're gonna try to guess what their names are. Okay. <laughs> There's like little kind of clues. Sure, yeah. 
but also bugs have really weird names yeah. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so you can just go all crazy if you want. Already. <laughs> <coughs> all right. Around twilight, the blank emerge from sandy soils near Palm Springs, California to mate. Males fly swiftly above the ground searching for female beetles, but unfamiliar lights and disorienting bodies of water increasingly seem to interfere. Um, males can fly while females cannot. So they live, like, basically people's porch lights and patio lights and pools are confusing them. So they're not able to, like, find... Turn your lights off at night. Yeah, and cover your pools. (laughs) So because of those things, it's interfering with their natural distinction of things. Um, So what would you call that beetle? I want to say just the Palm Springs Beetle, but that's so boring. (laughs) They emerge from sandy soils. They do. Um, The. To mate. The Sand Mummy Beetle. The Sand Mummy Beetle. I like it. That's a good Mm -hmm. one. That's a good one. That's my guess. It's a good guess. We'll find out at the end. We're going to go through the other two. Sand mummy beeble. Beeble. Sand mummy beeble. All my party beeble. (coughs) Number two. Blank beetles are carnivorous insects. Um, As larvae, they remain idle near the top of their burrows and ambush any small insects that pass near the burrow opening in a tiger-like fashion. The larvae pull the captured prey into the burrow and feed. Adults are also very predator-like and capture various insects and spiders for feeding. They are sight predators, so they um, use their sight, not their smell or sound, to hunt. And they uh, are very, like, they're capable of moving extremely fast um, in bursts of speed to catch their prey. Okay. The tiger beetle. The tiger beetle. All right. Tiger-like fashion. Yes. So, your last one is the lateral sides of the head are smooth, curved, and flat. A few granules are observed where one might think eyes should be. It spends its entire life in openings underground, usually with small or absent eyes. Interesting. Um... The blind beetle. The blind beetle. So we've got the sand mummy beetle. The sand mummy beetle. The tiger beetle. Tiger beetle. And the blind beetle. The blind beetle. They are Casey's June beetle <laughs> is the one that emerges from the soily sand. Um, the Salt dumb. Creek tiger beetle. Oh, Casey. <laughs> How lazy. I, I bet you Casey discovered <laughs> that beetle in June. It's also probably because they mate in June. <laughs> so they kind of emerge between March and June. Gotcha. Um, and so the Salt Creek Tiger Beetle is the... Tiger Beetle. Tiger attacking one. That one's a win. Mm-hmm. And then the Coffin Cave Mold Beetle. Coffin Cave Mold Beetle. Gross. They don't have eyes, so they kind of are mummy skeleton-like in a coffin. Mm-hmm. They uh, hide they out in like dark little... Mold openings <laughs> like a cave nice. so there you go cool mm-hmm. all right one of these things is not like the other so here is a fact about hornbills in general and then there's three hornbill names you have to guess which one is made up and then i'll tell you uh-huh. the facts about the two real ones oh uh-huh, so you made one up. I made one I up see. okay and I looked at a list, a list of all the types to try to find one that would, like, fit without just, and I had to, like, make sure it didn't already exist. <laughs> but whenever I typed it in, it was like, here's your results for this. And I was like, but it's just not actual results of this animal. It's like other people type in this animal. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it was very difficult to figure uh-huh. out a name that wasn't real, but seemed close enough. Right. Anyways, <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> so hornbills. The what is a hornbill? It's a bird. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, so they're 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a bird. That's all I needed. <laughs> yep. Now we can read. The bill is used to grasp and toss insects and fruits in the air to eat. Other uses for the bill include helping to build and maintain the nest, aiding in defense against poisonous snakes and other predators, sound reception, and it can be used to determine their age. The bill is very powerful because it's fused to the cranium, which in turn um, articulates with the fused upper vertebrae. This creates a pickaxe-like beak that is very useful for the young to Dang. peck out of their nests because they usually get, like, submerged so in their nest. They, like, get put in a hole in the tree, and then the parents, like, cover that up with, like, their poop. And usually I think the mom is in there and the dad will, like, sneak food in there. It depends on which farm bill, but, yeah, so. Dang. Yeah. So the, <clears throat> the kids, or the that hornbills in general... Imagine if you had, like a. Imagine if you horn had a pterodactyl face sticking out of your yeah a pterodactyl <laughs> face, fused to your skull, and your fused neck your... couldn't move. Yeah, it was fused. It couldn't move in any direction. You can only move your lower vertebrae, like at your shoulders. Yeah, and you could still. And you could like swing your head and peck. For us. For them, and still, I guess, I'm sure they can still Imagine turn their if your neck though. was twice as long and the bottom <laughs> half of it was the only half that moved, and the top half was all fused still. There we go. There's a better analogy. Alright. So, okay. your three the wrinkled hornbill, Baldwin's hornbill, or the helmeted hornbill? I think Baldwin's is real. Okay. The perfect unimaginative name of some <laughs> scientist named Baldwin. <laughs> Boring scientist named that one. Yeah. Like, a, what was it? I think Casey's the, June bug. <laughs> the wrinkled hornbill is fake. You think I made up the wrinkled yeah. hornbill? <gasps> I made up Baldwin's hornbill. Oh, you got me. <laughs> I had Gosh, to think of something that was still creative but boring enough, and I was like, "Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed <laughs> it." Was it was really Ellie. hard. Now, if you ever, I tried to think hornbill, of like something super ridiculous like these two, but like, if you ever discover a hornbill, you <laughs> have to name Baldwin's it Baldwin's hornbill. hornbill. <laughs> okay, cool. Oh, that'll be great. So the wrinkled hornbill, <laughs> their wings have ten rounded primaries mm -hmm. um, that allow air to go through, creating a loud whooshing sound that some say sounds like a train or a storm. It's probably like primary feathers or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, 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 because it's in their wings. Right. Sorry. Um, and then the helmeted, because Baldwin's hornbill doesn't exist, <laughs> as far as I know, based on the research I tried to do on it. <laughs> um, the helmeted hornbill, um, this, there, if Baldwin's hornbill does exist. Please correct me, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let us know. <laughs> um, so the helmeted. We'll, we'll update the slideshow. <laughs> yes. Um, the helmeted hornbill. All the... of these things are like the other. <laughs> this bird is more often heard than seen, um, and is renowned for its unique and <laughs> arresting call, um, which ends in a show-stopping flurry of hysterical laughter. Nice. That's your bird, honey. <laughs> Thanks. I'm the helmeted hornbill. <laughs> no, it's, it's your, your <coughs> animal companion. Uh, because of our laughter? Yep. Cool. You can laugh and sing. <laughs> I wonder if it's, I mean, it is hysterical. I do have hysterical laughter at times. I feel uh, like you usually just have an evil laugh, that's though. That's true. So I'll evil laugh and it'll hysterical laugh and no one will come near us. Because we'll just be an insane Flawless. couple. <laughs> Next one. True or false? I did this one right. Hey. <laughs> the hawksbill turtle was believed to be extinct but rediscovered in 2005. False. False. You are correct. Ayo. The proboscis anole, anole, it's a type of lizard, um, also known as the Pinocchio lizard is the one that was once thought to be extinct and then rediscovered. So the possession of oh, this lizard has a possession of a horn only by males, um, which suggests a role in sexual selection, maybe. Um, and then it was originally discovered in 1953 and then thought it was extinct and then rediscovered in 2005. <clears throat> 
the hawksbill turtle um, are named for their narrow pointed beak. Um, they have they also have a distinctive pattern of overlapping scales on their shells that form a serrated look on the edge, um, which helps them to maintain. Oh, and they also like maintain health of the coral reefs, which is their role in their ecosystem. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Which fish is blind? Earlier you guessed a blind beetle. Now you get to guess which fish is blind. I think it's the spring pygmy sunfish, not the golden line barbel. (coughs) The golden line barbel can see. Nope. The golden line barbel belongs to a family of fish called... How would you say that? Um, Cyprinidae. Cyprinidae. That also contains freshwater fish commonly seen in the U.S. like carps and minnows. But unlike its cousins, this small, ghostly whitefish, barely measuring an inch, they are also blind. So, um, the spring pygmy sunfish has, <laughs> has an interesting history, though, has already been thought to be extinct twice since huh. its discovery in 1937. Um, while always a rare fish, the spring pygmy sunfish was once found in three spring complexes. By now, it's been extirpated <clears throat> from two of them. Attempts to reintroduce a population into tiny waterway into a tiny waterway called Prior Spring were initially successful, but then eventually the combined influence of dredging and our agricultural runoff. Ex- eradicated there we go eradicated that population yet again so this fish is now limited to just one population living in a five mile stretch of beaver dam creek dang so this fish somehow keeps surviving crazy (laughs) and we keep thinking we've killed it off and then it's like oh it's still alive so it's still alive but barely and we've saved it a couple times and just killed them off again so so, Humans. Yeah, at least word. they're a little. Uh, what's the word? Resilient. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, this one is just fun facts. I'm gonna let you read it. Orangutan derived from um, oh, the name orangutan mm-hmm. is derived from the Malay words for person of the forest. That's cool. Aren't orangutans commonly considered the most intelligent? Um, primates? I have no idea. It wouldn't surprise me. Anywho. Would not surprise me. Um, <coughs> Sumatran orangutan. Sumatran? Sumatran. Sumatran? Sumatran. Sumatran? I don't know. Anyways. The, the R is after the T. I don't know. I don't, I'm dyslexic. <laughs> Sumatran orangutan is almost exclusively arboreal. Living among trees of tropical rainforests. Is that what arboreal means? Living yeah, trees? They, live, they don't okay. go on the ground. Females virtually never up. travel on the ground, and adult males do so rarely. Sumatran orangutans are reported to have closer social ties than their Bornean cousins. Okay. And that's what the other one we're talking mm-hmm. about. Got it. The so they have really close social ties within their groups. Um, Bornean orangutans, three subspecies are recognized, each localized to different parts of the island. Northwest Bornean, Northeast Bornean, and Central Bornean. Interesting. Is that the island called Bornean Island or something? Bornean orangutan differs in appearance from the Sumatran orangutan with a broader face and shorter beard and also slightly darker in color. I'm not sure. I don't remember. I think one of them's found in like Indonesia. Or, I don't know. There's somewhere in Asia. Cool. I think I really truly don't remember. Yeah. They were like one of the first ones I did. I think I did some of them yesterday, and then I did some of them this morning, and then I did the rest of them this evening. Nice. It's been a long day. <laughs> cool. Orangutans. All right. Match the fact. <laughs> So the three you are matching is Blackburn's Sphinx Sphinx Moth, uh, Sage 
Sacellus for Scorpion? How would you say that? Sacellus? Sacellus? That would be my guess. Sacellus for Scorpion and the easy yellow-faced bee. Cool. One of these is going to be very easy. They all—they might all be very easy. I was starting to just kind of throw <laughs> animals together at this point. Uh-huh. Um, so, your first clue. <clears throat> your first fact to match, I guess. They line their nests with a self-secreted cellophane-like material. Um, and they resemble, I'm supposed to take that part off, but whatever. Uh, they resemble small wasps because they lack lots of hair, like other bees. That's gotta <laughs> be the they, scorpion. But they do, um, they do have some hairs. I wrote home some, somehow. Um, but the males are mostly black with yellow markings on their face, while females are all black. It's gotta be the scorpion. It's gotta be. Not the moth. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely scorpion. Your second one, I meant to take that bit off, so all you got was that cellophane-like material, and I was like, he'll probably still get it, but at least it's not as obvious. Uh (laughs) Your second clue, Um, they are one of Hawaii's largest native insects of sorts. Um, Its larvae feed on plants in the nightshade family. Populations of the plant species on which the larvae live are in decline, though, throughout the state. As a result, host the animals, the host shifted to a tree tobacco, an invasive plant that is spreading across the dry, arid landscapes. So they, at one point, were thought to be extinct because they couldn't find them on the plants that they normally would find them on, but then they discovered the larva had been found to be on the tobacco trees. Hmm. So they just shifted to the invasive species and so now they're like, they're still alive. So they adapted, but they're still endangered. Um, and then your third fact to match is its woodland habitats are deteriorating due to the effects of invasive plant species, in particular true cinnamon. Um, its food isn't found in areas with a high invasion. So if it can be in those areas with true cinnamon, but the food it eats is not. It's being killed out by the invasive plant. Does it make sense? Yeah. So it can't get what it needs. Mm-hmm. So it's moved to where there's less of that invasive plant, but then there's like these invasive ants that also now are killing them too. So they're just, they're not finding enough food. And then there's like other animals killing them. I think the one that has a problem with ants would be the scorpion. Okay. And then the moth is the Hawaii one. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. My thought was just that the ants would have a hard time taking out a moth because it could just fly away. Unless it's in caterpillar state. Yeah, that's true. So. Yeah. yeah. Another reason to hate ants. And the other one is because you said bee in it. <laughs> Not yellow face or <laughs> resembles a moth, a wasp. <laughs> Poison. The picture of the easy yellow face bee is crazy, though. Yeah. Yeah. They do kind of look like just a black wasp with, like, a yellow face. Hmm. and But, like, some of the pictures of them do have, like, some more furriness to them. But not all of them, so they're interesting. They'd make a cool superhero or a villain or something. All right. Which is the rarest bird species? <coughs> a. The white rumped vulture. B, the Galapagos penguin, C, the ivory-billed woodpecker, or D, the white-collared kite? I want to say the vulture. The vulture is the rarest bird species? that's my guess. All right. A, the white-rumped vulture. Though most vultures in the Gipsis genus have 14 tail feathers, Gips, 14 tail feathers, the white-rumped vulture only has 12. About 100 of these birds, all feeding together, can strip a 100-pound carcass in about three minutes, um, which is super important to their ecosystem because it contains the spread of disease and gets rid of any decaying animal, which can be a stewing pot for bacteria and harmful germs. So, so it's not, not A. Them. B. The Galap- Do you want to take a second guess? My second guess would be the penguin. Okay. B. The Galapagos penguin. This is the only penguin species found north of the equator and in the Galapagos. Um, They live in caves and crevices in the coastal lava area because there is nowhere for them to burrow like their cousins. So it's not that. Do you want to take another guess? 
Um, I'll just keep going down the line. The woodpecker. <laughs> See, the ivory-billed woodpecker. It was thought to have gone extinct in the middle of the 20th century. The bird was rediscovered in the Big Woods um, region of eastern Arkansas in 2004, but has not been relo- but has not been like relocated since. Um, and they are also known as the Lord God Bird. Interesting. They are large. They're like one of the larger woodpeckers too. And there's like a bunch of black and white photos of them, and they're terrifying to look at. The colored pictures of them aren't as scary, but they're still kind of scary because I feel like they just look like mini pterodactyls. <laughs> they're kind of creepy. That's our puppy getting comfy. All right, so not you that can one. Hear that crinkling in the background. Do you want to take one more guess? <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's the vulture. The vulture again. <laughs> A, the white rump. Hey. <laughs> D, the white collared kite is one of the rarest bird species in the world. <laughs> um, seen engaging in early morning territorial or courtship displays. These displays would sometimes, um, involve two or th- even three of the birds and consists of or and it would be the birds soaring in circles above the forest or sometimes like sugarcane plantations um but they weren't ever like way up in the clouds they were only ever like a hundred meters above the canopy huh. all right which chameleon is which <clears throat> you have the bizarre nose chameleon or the antsy leaf chameleon um, ant singy leaf chameleon. Your two clues. There are currently nine subspecies of the blank chameleon, and it's still scientists expect that there are more to be discovered. Um, or the other one is all three species use low-lying vegetation for roosting on and like at nighttime. That makes me want to say the antsingy leaf is the one with the vegetation, mm-hmm. but I feel like you did that on purpose to trick me. <laughs> but I'm going to go with it, and the bizarre-nosed one is the one with a bunch of them. You ready? Mm-hmm. You got one right! Yeah! <laughs> no, that's literally all I could find. That wasn't, like, confusing or mm-hmm. super, super boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yep, the bizarre-nosed chameleon is currently... Like, has nine subspecies. It's one of nine subspecies. Um, I think it's, like, a subspecies of, like, the horn-nosed chameleon or something. I don't remember. And then, yeah, the antsingy leaf one. Hang on on, uh, on little vegetation sticks and stuff. <laughs> and it says that females usually like the ones with more leaves on it. <laughs> That's good. All right. Funny names. What are these animals? The Delta Smelt. Mm-hmm. And the Humphead Rass. Yep. Um, the Humphead Rass is a fish. Uh-huh. And I think they're both fish. Uh-huh. Do you want to take any funny guesses at what they look like or anything? No. <coughs> no idea. All right. The Delta Smelt smells like cucumbers, apparently. <laughs> You dealt it, you smelt it, is what I just keep thinking of every time I read it. <laughs> you dealt it, you smelt it. Uh-huh, like cucumbers. That's fantastic. You dealt it, you smell it like cucumbers. Um, the life cycle of the delta... Anybody smell cucumbers? <laughs> I'm so confused for a second. Do you smell that? Take a big breath. Um, so the delta smell um, follows a... The life cycle it follows is... It's only, like, alive for, like, a year. Um... And it follows the four seasons. So in spring, they spawn in freshwater. Summer, they migrate, and then they, like, get... Anyways, and then fall, um, they mature, and then winter, they go upstream and migrate shortly again before spawning. And then they die. <laughs> so they literally just kind of migrate and yeah. stuff over the year. they're almost extinct. Yeah. And they're small, they're dudes. They're, they're like little fishies. Um, and the... <laughs> The humphead rest, is that what you called it? <coughs> that was my guess on the pronunciation. Yeah, it's W-R-A-S-S-E. Um, so they are an enormous coral reef fish, and they grow over six feet long with a prominent bulge on its forehead. Um, some of them live to be over 30 years old, 
and they're super important to the ecosystem because they eat crown, like they eat the crown of thorns starfish, um, which keeps the coral reef like predation in check because the crown of thorns starfish is like super damaging to coral reefs because it just eats and destroys. Mm-hmm. So it killing and eating that helps keep the reef in check. So that this is your last. Last one. So, match the fact. <laughs> you have a blue whale, sea whale, sai whale. If it's Japanese, say? It'd be say. Say whale. Whale shark. But if it's not Japanese, then it's probably not pronounced that way. <laughs> I don't know. We can pronounce it however we want. I did not look it up. Say. And then the fin whale. So, those are your four. Cool. Whales. I yep. know a whale shark isn't an actual like yep. whale necessarily, Continue. but it's easy to call a whale. Uh-huh. Um, all right. So your first clue or fact to matches. <coughs> Sorry, everyone. Um, the blank is the second largest mammal in the world. They have a distinct ridge along the back behind the dorsal fin, which gives them the nickname Razorback. They have a very unusual feature. The lower right jaw is bright white and the lower left jaw is black. <clears throat> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Your second one is like human fingerprints. The blank have a unique pattern of spots which allow individuals to be identified. The maximum size is not known, but they could be as large as 20 meters. Females give birth to live young, but this has never been observed. Where pupping occurs and where the youngest animals situate remains a mystery. As they are very rarely found, adults are often found feeding at the surface, but they can dive to 1,000 meters. Your third one is the blank is one of the fastest whales, reaching speeds up to 30 miles per hour. They inhabit all oceans and adjoining seas except in the tropical and polar regions. And your third one is this whale. Um, Its stomach can hold one ton of krill, and it needs to eat about four tons of krill each day. They are the loudest animal on Earth and are even louder than a jet engine. Their calls reach 188 decibels, while a jet reaches 140 decibels. Their low-frequency whistle can be heard for hundreds of miles and is probably used to attract others of its kind. Sweet. The last one's the blue whale. Okay. Um, I think the say whale is the one that has unique patterns of spots. Okay. I think the fin whale is the second largest, because the blue whale is the largest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the whale shark is one of the fastest. All right, you ready? Yeah. The fin whale is the second largest mammal, so you were correct. Oh, I did get that one right. Yeah, The The whale shark has the spots. Um, The say say whale is one of the fastest, and the blue whale is the last one, which is the biggest and the loudest (laughs) and eats the most. (laughs) So, there you go. Cool. That's, That's all I got. Cool. That yeah. every animal you talked about today is endangered? Uh-huh. Either critically endangered or endangered, which I do. Okay. I mean, there's plenty that are near-threatened and vulnerable, but I tried to focus on, like, endangered and critically endangered. It's World endangered, endangered Species, species Day. Day. I didn't do plants. Sorry, everyone. But there are plants you can look up as well on the sure IUC and Red List. a podcast for that. True. <laughs> I do well, have one way. plant I want to talk about one day, and it's the oh, yeah. Venus flytrap. Oh, yeah. Those are cool. <laughs> I know. So one day I'll talk about like that. An yep. And depending on what you talk to, like a lot of people call plants creatures and yeah. animals creatures. You mm-hmm. know, plants can be animals. Oh, one anyways. of the largest living organisms in the world is this one forest. Oh, yeah. Because all the roots are connected. <laughs> And it's one organism. It makes me think of uh, the last Airbender Avatar, that one forest mm-hmm. that's the, connected. The rainforest. Mm-hmm. Cool. The swamp. 
Well, everyone, there is your uh, Endangered Species Awareness Day, and do some research. Spread the news. Spread yeah. the word. Protect those animals. Do what you can in your control to protect them in your environment. Let us know what the most the animal you're most curious about from today's episode. Yeah. And then maybe Let I'll do know. a full episode on it if I can find enough research on it. <laughs> <laughs> some of them I can. Some of them are really hard. Yeah. But And again, there's tons and tons and tons. I'll make sure I add the list so you guys can look at all of the different kinds. I had to like keep cutting animals away. <laughs> That were also really hard to find for. Mm -hmm. So, cool. Well, until next time, everyone, take care. And uh, happy Endangered Species Awareness Day. Yeah. Hopefully one day we don't have to worry about it. But we probably always will. Because we suck. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me, animal lovers. And also, thank you to my special guest this week. Please rate, review, and tell all your friends so I can continue with your support and sharing fun animal facts with you. I would love to hear from you, your stories, your experiences, any suggestions you might have. Also, I would love to see any fun, cool art you guys do. You can email them to me at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow Animal Facts Podcast on Instagram for updates, cool art, and other fun animal-related news. Click the link in the description for the resources, the donation links to saving the different animals we talk about, merchandise, and other fun things. A special thank you to my family for my really fun drum rolls, my best friend Jewel for my awesome music, and to my guests for joining me in my animal passions. Thank you again, animal lovers, for listening and supporting me in my animal discoveries and adventures. And until next time, bye! Your last random fact. Is also about an endangered animal. Um, in a sprint, African wild dogs can reach speeds of more than 44 miles per hour. What? Yep. That's I also insane. didn't know African wild dogs were endangered. I didn't either. Yeah, but they are. Maybe I did, actually. Last time we went to the zoo, which was a long time ago. A video we have of them. There's, yeah, mm. they have some wild African wild dogs there. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I read because I, I read a bunch of the random right. facts all over the walls because that's what I do at the music, at the zoo. Yeah, um, and I'm pretty sure that they have that fact there that they are endangered. Well, I didn't know it, but I learned about it, and then how fast they can get. That's crazy. Yeah, they speedy. But they're a dog <laughs> with really cute big ears. Mm-hmm. They're so cute. There you go. Crazy. Like that. And finally, a dog that can outrun ours. (laughs) Yes.